0: Five hundred years ago He washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate
1: piracy, injustice and cruelty. G'day, this oh, is X-Band The Phantom so Podcast. We our website is chroniclechamber.com, and you can subscribe to our podcast via YouTube or through your favourite podcast apps. This is episode 239, which is titled New Year's Resolution. Let's read some back issues. Basically, we have got a few reviewers uh, from the Chronicle Chamber extended team and some others uh, who are going to give us, who are going to dig out uh, an old issue and going to give us their thoughts of it. And basically, it's going to encourage, or hopefully, it will encourage you to, during the New Year's and uh, Christmas holidays, dig out some old fandom comics, have a bit of a read and um, you know, have some fun. Want to relax whether it's in, in in the snow uh against a fireplace or you know under the air conditioning if you're under in australia or in our brazil and brazil and stuff like that as well so dig out some old issues have a read uh hopefully you enjoy the stories that we've selected the team has selected for you
2: with all of the discussions recently about the prevalence of ai scraping doom scrolling online bullying and the like I thought for my review from the Vault, I'd escape back to a simpler time. When the internet was still seen as this new and wondrous thing with limitless possibilities, and it wasn't compacted into our pockets. That time is 2006. The iPhone is still a year away. The Nintendo Wii has just been released, and it's getting gamers off the couch and moving. Google, however, has just bought YouTube. And so with this new digital age just around the corner, our hero, the Phantom, enters the fray and is caught in cyberspace. The Cyberspace Saga is a four-part adventure written and drawn by Team Phantom and creator Hans Lindahl, consisting of the stories Death in Cyberspace, Lost in Cyberspace, Jewel in Cyberspace, and Chaos in Cyberspace. The saga opens with the Phantom reading a newspaper article in the Skull Cave, reporting that a Professor Protheroo has developed a technology that creates virtual computer environments as real as the world we live in. This sparks the Phantom's interest, as the article states that the technology can recreate history, so the Phantom thinks that this is the perfect opportunity to travel back in time to 1756 London, where his forefather, the 10th Phantom, was accused of murder, so that he can find out what really happened and clear his name. Now, any video gamers checking out this review may see some similarities here between this story and the popular video game series that was first released in 2007 called Assassin's Creed. In that game, players enter what's called the Animus to travel back in time to take the role of your ancestor In this case, the assassin Altair, to live out the events of Altair's life during the Third Crusade, as he completes quests across the Holy Land to regain his honour. Now, there have been many sequels to uh, Assassin's Creed, and so the Animus has sent players to many different eras, including the one that the Phantom is interested in, and that happened in Assassin's Creed Rogue, for any of those who would like to go and, and check out what was happening in 1756. Now back to the story. The Phantom arranges a meeting with Professor Protheroo, but when he arrives at the computer labs, the Phantom finds Protheroo dead of a suspected stroke while still strapped into his animus-like device. The Phantom, being the natural curious hero he is, enters the animus-like device so that he can see for himself what may have happened to Protheroo and he zaps swiftly away into cyberspace. However, it's not to 1756 London, but to a prehistoric times. And so starts the Phantom's adventures as he strives to solve the mystery surrounding Prothero's death and what is really behind this virtual reality game. Across four issues, the Phantom discovers that a group calling themselves the Titans are behind this virtual reality game and that even though on the surface it seems that their work in developing this technology is all above board, we soon discover that they're not playing the game for enjoyment or escapism, but for their own nefarious purposes. I'll let you read to discover what they are. We are introduced to a number of characters throughout the saga. Of course, we have the 21st Phantom, he's the main protagonist, and he is aided by Dr. Lamanda Luaga, who is now serving the people of the slums of Bengueti as a doctor. However, it seems that he still has some pull in government matters, as he seems to have no trouble accessing government buildings and staff still address him as president. Of course, there's the Titans, who are a group of computer genius criminals using the cover of a virtual reality game, which is called Olympus, for their own nefarious purposes. Of the Titans, we meet Professor Protheroo, Who's getting cold feet on their plans? And in the first story, we see or we meet Sable Q. Um, he's the main enemy in the first story as he battles the Phantom. In the second story, we're introduced to Gaza, who's a petty thief in London who hides out in a local arcade um, and stumbles upon the game Olympus through a portal from the game that he was originally playing. He becomes what would be best described as a co-op player in the phantom's mission against the titans lastly there's the character blaze undula who is computer expert and professor Prothero's former assistant who still holds a grudge against him and as it turns out later in the saga against the phantom as well the story develops well and can serve as a type of warning for people today as they interact with cyberspace and the internet Though we may have a while to go yet before animus style simulations, people today can often become quite lost in cyberspace, which allows them to become easy prey for those more adept at it. The art is excellent, with plenty of detail in Lindale's work. It transfers very well to Fru's black and white production, but there are some stages where it would be interesting to see what it would look like in colour. There are a number of callbacks to the oath of the skull throughout the saga in the way that characters interact with the helmet of the animus which i really appreciated finally blaze is a very well formed out character and it would have been great to see her pop up in future stories the audience gets slightly swerved with the phantom actually never going to 1756 london to find out the truth of what happened to his ancestor and this thread is never touched on again in the saga after page 6 of the first story. I'm unsure if this ever does get picked up in any future story. If it doesn't, well there's an opening for a new creator. The covers of the saga are okay, with the standout being issue 1486, but they are very much examples of Fru's practice of the time of doing repro of the story art. If the saga was to be collected into one volume, as Jim Shepard alludes to in his message from the publisher in 1486, then there is ample room for one of Fru's stable of cover artists to put their own spin on it. On that, if they were to collect the saga into one volume, I'd like to see a sequel featuring Blaze and what she's been up to since the since the original saga. There's probably room for a prequel that focuses on her and Protheroo as well, which could all be collected into a trade paperback a la The Triad Saga, or the treasures of Dracon. Overall, an enjoyable story that may have seemed a little far fetched 16 years ago, but today seems increasingly more likely. Do yourself a favour and dig this one out of your collection and give it a read. And as always, happy fandoming.
3: G'day everyone it's Dan from Chronicle Chamber here and welcome to my part of this uh New Year's Resolution podcast special, um, and as you can see, I'm going to be looking at the 2013 Christmas special from Fru, issue 1682, featuring uh, Mandrake's Bon Voyage, as well as The Unknown Commander, parts one and two. Now, um, just while we have a look at the the covers by Antonio Lemos there, um, the reason I picked this one was because, um, as I was writing up the story about the Christmas special, I saw this cover come past, and um, saw Mandrake on the cover, and... Um, yeah, was uh, was interested to read this one again because I remember enjoying the Mandrake story, but not really. Um, you know, it's been you know nine something years since I read it, and keen uh, to go back. And I, I, the Unknown Commander, was a bit of a bonus as I went through. So, look, what I might just do is sort of have a bit of a flick through the story, or through the issue, I should say. Um, the message from the publisher, and this page is really, um, you know, it's in the it's in the format we've come to expect. One thing that I do like that they do now. That they weren't doing in two thousand and thirteen is acknowledging the uh the cover artist in the um in the little acknowledgments there. Um good message from the publisher from Steve Shepherd. He gives us a bit of a history of um Lee Fork and uh and Mandrake and the crossovers between Mandrake and the Phantom. Um and this would be only one of I think two specials that Steve Shepard may have been the publisher for, for the Christmas special. Um, the ad for the 2014 annual over here is really cool. Um, the only reason I mention it really is because of the, uh, um, the pencil sketches and the layouts that are provided there. Perhaps they didn't actually have the finished 2014 cover when they went to print for this, for this special. Um, but I actually quite like the idea of having those, um, those pencils, um, and layouts there and letting us see the process as that unfolds. Um, as we go forward into the stories, um, we do have nice big um, uh, splash pages for, for both stories. If I flick through and, and see if I can find the start of the Unknown Commander as well, um, they also had a, a nice big splash page as well. And that is one thing that I really enjoy about um, um, books that have got multiple stories in them is a, is a splash page um, differentiating the two. Um, just look, one, one comment on the print quality before I get too far involved is that um, maybe it was just my issue but there's a few pages in the first story which were quite washed out Um, as you can see here the uh, the the print hasn't come through particularly well on page 11 for me um, of the first story and then if I get into the second Story. there was a few pages and this is a good example on page 60 um, in the unknown commander story you can see there I think that the um, the art is quite blurred or muddy if you like but the um, the text the dialogue is really clear so not sure what happened there in the printing process or how that came to be it was only on some pages other pages like page 61 the facing page is quite good um, but just an example I guess of the of the print quality that we were um, getting from Fru back in 2013 the stories themselves, um, I really enjoyed. Um, Tony DePaul and Terry Beatty's work on Mandrake's Bon Voyage, um, is really, is really clever. I like Tony, uh, Terry Beatty as an artist, um, and, and really did enjoy his Sunday stories. A lot of people did. Um, Tony DePaul, I think, has really handled the crossover quite well in this. You can see here that right on the first page, we see Mandrake gesturing hypnotically. Um, we have the old man, though, not being really fooled by it, even though the young, the young bucks in the band are, um, are quite confused, um, and then yeah, gesturing hypnotically again. And um, both Nada and Diana are probably a little bit, a um, little bit over <laughs> Mandrake's shenanigans. But he's he's uh, really um, yapping it up for the kids and, and Kit and Heloise They're uh, quite enjoying his work. Uh, the storyline has um, has Mandrake sort of conning the Phantom and. Well, conning, uh, Diana and Nada onto a cruise with promise of a holiday, but really he and the Phantom are there on a secret mission to, uh, prevent the, uh, the gold being stolen by, as it turns out, um, some, some, um, femme fatales, if you like, and it really harkens back to some of Lee Fork's classic, um, femme fatales. Um, that said, these three girls, um, and without spoiling too much, those three girls are, um, uh, patsies if you like and don't really know the, the full picture as deadly as they might be um, as we go through I do like with Tony uh, with Terry Beatty's artwork um, the way that he's using different panel sizes and I, I haven't gone back to have a look at the original Sunday to see if he had big panels like this one on page 14 um, or page 16 in the um, in the original Sunday or if that's the work of Fru and the way that they've put it together but it um, but it makes for a bit more interest as you go through um, Bandrake gesturing hypnotically again he's, he's, um, he really is an, an active character in this he's not a secondary character to the Phantom and in fact if anything um, you get to the point and here we are on page 22 where Mandrake is uh, offering to do another trick but actually no, Phantom says I've got one of my own and we have Phantom moves faster than lightning as an old jungle saying come into it and um, love seeing those come in and um, having Phantom be a, uh, a, a genuine, genuinely active hero in this as well um, interesting then that the the story sort of switches gears, and then we have another one of those great big um, panels from Terry Beattie on the twenty page twenty six, um, and again on the facing page, just the the different types of, um, of framing that he's done there. Um, the 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 story sort of takes a, a, a turn, if you like, once they get off the ship and then head on to the island where um, old foes of Mandrake's are, and turns out that his brother is is one of them now. I might not. Um, I'm not a Mandrake aficionado, so I'm not really uh, down with the characters here. Mind Switch is the other character, um, and actually, you can see the different print quality on these two pages. Again, be interesting to see actually if that's that's no, not just that page. Anyway, um, yeah. So Lucifer, the the brother, and Mind Switch, this other character. I'm not really. Um, across those, I think Mandrake fans probably would be. Um, but, uh, I think that this has been well written too, albeit not knowing those characters. I love the way the fandom has, uh, snuck his gun into the hostage situation. And then as we get to the end of the story, um, I do like how this recurring character, this, um, ca- costumed character for the, back on the cruise ship, Um, I like the way that uh, Tony DePaul has had him wrap it all up um, with uh, almost an acknowledgement that the Phantom is a uh, is an unknown superhero and no one's ever heard of him so I thought that was quite amusing and uh, finished quite well Um, now as I said the I, I quite enjoyed that that was the story I went back for when reviewing this particular comic book the unknown commander it was a bit of a bonus and look um, what a bonus it was because it's a really fantastic story. Now, um, Steve Shepard goes to goes to some paints to point out that this was last published in 1988. The uh, the Mandrake Bondvoyage story, as you can see here, was um, you know the most recently finished Sunday story at the time of print for this 2013 Christmas special. The Unknown Commander last published in 1988, and I guess at this time through were copping a bit of flak for you know the constant repeats and all the rest of it so um just pointing out that it had been what 25 years or so or so between drinks um steve shepherd's pointed that out in the uh, in the message from the from the publisher as well last published in in 87 he says here um it would indicate 1988 uh actually in the story from through 896 so a lot of time between drinks for the publishing of this story and and uh look i think this is probably the first time a lot of people came across this story norman worker is one of my favorite um, Tim Funtman authors. Um, I think he writes really well and he's, he's right in the canon of the Phantom as well. Um, with the, this, obviously this is the story of the Jungle Patrol, so we have those tropes with the, uh, the Poisoned Well. We've got Phantom in the Chronicles. Um, and this is a pretty important story in trying to piece t- together the chronology of the Phantom, I suppose, because we have, um, the, the death of the 14th Phantom and the, um, the ascension of the 15th, if you like um and so we have that story of the two of them working together for a little while um then we have um the 14th phantom mother dying um and then all all this amongst a uh, a plot of uh the jungle patrol being infiltrated by, um by uh, the sing pirates who have got their claws into um one of the one of the more bereft royals um, in the Misty Mountains at this stage. So, um, lots of uh, lots of great tropes coming together. As I said, Phantom fourteen dying in battle against the uh, against the Singh. Um, oh, can't be very far away here. There he goes um, with Chandra um, betraying him after the Phantom has showed compassion to save his life, and he gets shot for his troubles. And uh, then we have the fifteenth Phantom taking the oath. Great big couple of pages there, exploring that just before the start of what was part two summary of that, and then uh, we go on with the the rest of the unknown commander story, or how the phantom became the unknown commander under the under the work of the fifteenth phantom. Sort of realizing that um, part of the reason why his father was so easily defeated was because everyone knew where he was as the uh, the known jungle patrol commander. Um, so yeah, really, really good story. Um, Norman Work has done great work in terms of tying this in together with, um, the, the Leaf Orc story about how the jungle patrol came to be. Um, and actually one of the ways that he's done that is if we go back to here we are on page 45 um george bess so obviously norman work has written this in but george bess draws the the telling of that original leaf Fork story across page 45 and 46 and really harkens back to those original images from the cy creation um, and I think oh, that really ties the two stories together well. And I think that's particularly effective. And, and one of the reasons why I noticed it, I suppose, was because actually in the, uh, in the current Christmas special, the 2022 Christmas special, as you can see here, Jeff Weigel and Tony DePaul have written that in as well. Um, not so much with that one, but where's, here we are. On page 23 and 24 of the 2022 Christmas special, we've got Jeff Weigel drawing exact scenes from the uh, from the Cy Barry story of Junkar um, Jeff Weigel does tend to put the after Cy little caption um, on every story on or every panel where he's done that um, which I think um, George Bess either didn't do or um, certainly has, he's put his own mark on this whereas you can see Jeff Weigel's really tried to to, um, to copy Cy's style there so just an interesting just an interesting connection between the twenty twenty three. 2013 Christmas special and the 2022 Christmas special, I thought. Um, also interesting to see the development of, you know, we've got colour pages here. The print is fantastic in the 2022 Christmas special. We'll talk about this in the podcast soon, I'm sure. Um, but also just the, uh, the print, the paper that's been used. Um, the, the difference in weight between these two issues is significant. And, uh, and actually, if I hold it up like that, you can probably see the difference in thickness between the older book and the newer book, both 100 pages. But um, yeah, significantly higher quality book, um, the, the 2023 special, which uh, I guess, you know, it's, it's double the price, $6.50 back in the day versus $13 now. So um, that's what you're paying for, I suppose, if people are asking about inflation and stuff. But anyway, enough about the 2022 Christmas special. Um, as we finish off the 2013 special, we've got a couple of ads at the, at the back. Um, including this one for Limitless Visions. And um, I always like going into seeing the ads for what Phantom Merch was available back in those days. Um, I say back in those days, this is only nine years ago, which is why I do have this little character from the uh the limitless visions uh three inch figure and uh he's been sitting here watching me do the review the whole time um and and really enjoying (laughs) enjoying the work so look i hope you enjoyed uh having a flick back at the 2013 christmas special if you've got it in your collection i encourage you to go back and dig it out this is the only place that uh Uh, Mandrake's Bon Voyage story has been published and, um, again, The Unknown Commander classic story hasn't been published since. So if you've got it in your collection, dig it out and have another read. And if you haven't, well, dig out any old fandom comic and have another read because that's, um, I mean, that's the whole point of this exercise and and I certainly really enjoyed um, going back over this story and I'm sure that the other blokes who have contributed to this podcast have as well. So hopefully there's a bit of inspiration for you there to go back into your collection and dig out a comic you haven't seen for a little while. All right. Thanks for uh, listening or, or following along, everyone. And uh, hope you had a great time. And as always, happy phantoming.
4: Right. Hello and welcome to this uh, special review. I guess I was asked to talk about my favorite phantom story. Uh, but uh, when I thought about what my favorite story is, uh, they, I, 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 I thought of many names, many, many writers and uh, those uh, stories uh, uh, but I didn't want to pick uh, one of them out and uh, so I thought what I should do I wanted to talk about some pro stories because I have because the Phantom has been adopted into a lot of pro stories from uh, like the Evon novels then uh the, the Moonstone ones and then some Fru stuff over here and there and a few other publications I think so uh, today uh, to talk about the, my, one of my favorite prose stories I have to talk about my, uh, this book here this book which is the story of the Phantom this is the first one of the, uh, those 15 uh, issue ever novels And this one is number one written by Lee Fogg of course it was published back in 1973 and uh, this is this one which I have here is a it's a reprinted edition done by Hermes Press and uh, here is the book so this one was done back in 2016 and uh, I then I picked it up and I haven't uh, actually read this one uh, before 2016 and when I got it I when I read it first I just loved it you know this one it has fantastic writing and it feels like you know a whole different story it, it tells the origin of the 21st Phantom and it, in a very very beautiful way and uh yeah, it's really, really, very, very good, really, really well done novel, if you will. So this novel uh, has uh, 17 chapters, with a prologue about how it all began. Uh, it in that prologue has, is there on every Avon Phantom novels, so that's uh, there, and. The novel starts with uh, dr axel you know uh, remembering about uh, you know the, the uh, when he went to the the, the skull cave uh, which the bandars uh, they took him to the phantom the 20th phantom the, 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 the you, you can see there that there is a, uh, uh, uh there's the description of the twentieth phantom, which I really liked you know it it says you know there is this uh where is it a large man came out from the cave. he was the most fantastic of all. He was masked and wore a skin tight costume with a dead head on a brown gun belt that bore two pistols the masked man came bounding towards me he was huge with massive muscles a supreme physical specimen and uh, he was tall you know that kind of thing this really you know the novel uh, is described in a very very fantastic way and you know it details every single part of the 21st phantom you know taking over his charge as the 21st and you know, in, in the end like he buries the 21st phantom the 20th phantom and then he becomes the 21st you know long live the phantom this is the last chapter and he you know it, it's really really beautifully described beautifully written i just recommend it you know for every phantom fan it has Everything you want from a phantom story, you know, I, I really recommend it a lot. So, I think uh, that's what I have to say about uh, this novel and all the other novels. I think not all because some of them are not that good, uh, I think, um, but uh, the Leaf fork ones, which I should recommend to you, and uh, you know, this one is probably my most favorite ever novels of all 15 and I just love it and you should love it because the way it's written, it, it's remarkable. I, feel like, I felt like when I was reading it, I was you know, visualizing the, you know, the growing up of the 21st Phantom and yeah, it, it's like a movie. It can be adapted into to a movie. If anyone adopts the Phantom into a movie, this should be their handbook, their guidebook. And that's all I have to say about that. And thank you very much. Uh, That was my review.
1: G'day. This is going to be the comic that I am going to discuss in this special New Year's podcast. Through issue 1440, which was published in twenty. 2006 uh the story mistaken identity was first published in sweden in 1986 um which was phantom men 18 1986 and it was also recently published in the noir issue in 2019 now it's one of the things i love about this story is that uh it's got a real detective feel to it right it opens up And then there's a bank robbery of $2.7 million and the Phantom is on the trail. And then it's kind of like a, as the title says, mistaken identity. And you go through and the Phantom kind of stumbles his way to solve the riddle of the bank robbery. And But it's really, really clever because there's all these different parties that are intersecting uh, the Phantom's path which are all kind of related and then it kind of gets solved even without the Phantom really solving the problem. One of the things I really enjoy about it is the depth of the, um, uh, of the, of, of the writing. Uh, it was penned by idea Carelli who, which is a, um, a pseudonym for used by Eric Odile. Um, so but it's it's an anagram of his real name. Now he's only he's only created 23 phantom men stories, but I want to I want to reveal a couple we got. Um, Vista Reba which is probably one of the best uh, female villains, Poison Dreams, uh, the mysterious cave, the Lady Killer, the Phantom's unknown sister, perhaps one of the maybe the top 10, top 20 Best story ever, and one of the best Teen Men stories, The Devil's Brotherhood, part one, two, and three. The Man Who Cannot Die, um, A Grand Secret. And then there's another story which was voted uh, Prisoner at Capitolium, which hasn't been published either. Uh, And as you can see, the art is by Hans Liddell. Well, the art's great. Uh, The bad guys. um, This is 1986, so this was... Hans Lindell haven't been creating too long, and I like this era of his artwork. Um, Look, it's a great story. It it kind of bumbles around. You're not really sure where it's going. There's lots of characters. Um, It's a bit of a whodunit. Um, So, look, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. it, You know, when I was going through trying to find a story, or when I was going through looking at potential stories, as soon as I saw this story, it's like, oh, I want to read this again. And I believe that's one of the things that, you know, which makes us wanting to dig out a back issue is, even though I've read this story probably 5, 10, 12, 15 times, I want to read it again because it's an enjoyable read. So, Mistaken Identity 1440 from 2006 for free. Uh, Team Phantom Men, uh, you can get it in your Nuar. Uh, from 2019 or you can dig out uh, an issue from 1986 hope you enjoy that and we will pass it over to the next reviewer bye
0: we're on chronicle chamber this week and this week we are reviewing all the great people at chronicle chamber we're going to be reviewing the highland murders it was published in 2002 and then the issue number is 1336 It's got an amazing cover by Antonio Lemos. And some of the things in this story, yes, it's got stuff to do with the historical significance of 1689. Now, what does 1689 have anything to do with this phantom story? In 1689, there was a battle in Scotland, and it involved the English troops, and it involved... The Scottish people of that time and around this story it still has people who are conspiring to try and hunt down these people who didn't really support the Jacobites now the Jacobites they are sort of like I researched this so the Jacobites they're basically like a political party or a political group of people who do not like how the English are treating Scotland in those times and the Jacobites did not like it and now in the first instance of you going in and trying to read this comic book we find that this person who's very wealthy and so because he's very wealthy he's like he. He owns a lot of land. and these Jacobites are trying to murder him and that's why it's called the Highland Murders. And now the Phantom and his companion Friday notice what was happening in the carriage and then they go and help these people who were potentially going to get murdered. And then we move on and person who was going to get murdered with Lord Rennie. Now Lord Rennie, he goes to his old castle, his family ancestral castle because at the start of this story we find out that Lord Rennie has just recently married another wife-to-be and so they're going to this castle and they're having their first night together and then we find out that they were having dinner And one of the main characters in this story is called Mrs. Baxter. And they're having dinner. And the lady that he's just married spills some wine over his plate. Now, we don't realize what this person is, who this person is. And then we move forward. The phantom works out that, hey, there's a person trying to come in here and try and murder this. Lord Rennie, and now he's not having any of it, and who else is involved in this murder attempt? Yes, it's none other than the woman who he has just married. Yes, it is the lady has is a conspirator with this Lord Rennie, and yes, that's why that she spilled on his food. Was basically poisonous and then they find Lord Rennie in the morning They find him with us with a knife in his chest now How do we do explain how the knife got in there and the phantom explains that? The Jacobites the two men that were trying to come and kill this murder this person are Actually, they were diverting the people's attention to what was actually trying to happen and we find out that all of this comes to an end, and what happens to the lady she falls into a gaping hole in the floor, and basically, yeah, she's dead. Basically, she's dead. And people are then tied up, and Phantom going back to England and eventually making his way to Bengal. It is a beautiful story, it is a shocking story. But maybe it's a true story, and is just one of the great stories that was published in 2002. Now, another thing that I didn't actually notice, I did not know this, but the art for the story is done by Paul Ryan. And this story was published in 2002. The writer for this story is by Michael Bishop. And this was, initially this was published in 2002. I did not know that Paul Ryan did... Phantom Men stories, because this, originally, this story was originally a Phantom Met, it was a Sweden story, I very much enjoyed this story, I hope you enjoyed this video for Chronicle Chamber, and as always, you can look up us on YouTube at Phantom Cave Reviews if you want to subscribe, and as always, as the famous catchphrase says, keep Phantom Cave. Hi everyone, Duncan Munro here,
5: uh, Chronicle Chamber and X-Band the Phantom podcast are reaching out to fans, asking us for suggestions uh, on classic stories to dig up if you haven't read them for a while, or for new collectors uh, to go back into their chronicles uh, or try and find an issue that you uh, may never have read and discover a story for yourself uh, or rediscover a classic. Uh, So I've gone for a story that was only published once in Australia so far. It was in issue 1032, one of the annual specials back from the 90s. And the story is called The Wolf is Coming. Okay, so it's a, uh, a Scandinavian story that was originally published in Semik in, I think, 15, uh, 15 2000, uh, 15, 1992. Um, it's got a prologue at the front of it. Amazing art by Caesar Spadari, as all his art is. Uh, and a fantastic story by Svea Arntz, which um, is a fairly simple story. Uh, But if you read through it, it's got some uh, great traditional phantom uh, elements to it, like uh, he's operating largely on his own, he's out there on adventure, he stumbles across uh, some unintended consequences of what he's been doing and where he is. He gets to bond with uh, nature, and we see his affinity for animals in this story. Uh, And it uh, tells the story of the 17th phantom uh, in the mountains of Vermont in the United States. Uh, I won't go into spoiling it because I want you to go back and dig it up and read it, Uh, but he comes across some bad guys, he comes across some good people, and uh, he comes across some animals in trouble, and he supports those animals as well, showing the Phantom uh, being the all-round hero that we all know that he is. Uh, The ending uh, brings us back into uh, Bengala and ties the the story together quite well, uh, including a little bit of retconning of uh, phantom history by our uh, Scandinavian creators. Uh, everyone who knows me well knows that I love a story that fills a gap uh, or um, uh, or helps to colour in uh, some of the tapestry that is the phantom's history. And this story, The Wolf is Coming, uh, does that fantastically. So if you've got it in the collection, dig it up and have a read this holiday season. If you don't have it, get on eBay, get on Trader Joe's, uh, and try and find it uh, otherwise have a great christmas happy holidays happy fanoming
6: hello and welcome to a chronicle chamber uh, read some of the past issues christmas special uh, review i'm ankit from india and i will be reviewing uh, the story the castle of evil from uh, through the phantom 1047 and uh originally as it's a team phantom story so it's in uh, swedish but uh, the first time it was published is uh, was the in 1047 uh, number 1047 issue and it took me a long time to find this and uh, it was quite difficult but it was all worth it because uh, the creators on this is hans lindahl uh, on on the art and i think the I'm not sure this the story is by second Yeah, it's by Norman Walker and as you know, he's very popular with uh, team phantom and phantom uh, readers So yeah, so this is uh, basically one of my favorite things about phantom stories a horror mystery kind of a story and it has a underlying and, and as you can see with the black and white art art it, it like really comes together that gives it that gothic horror thing which is like very prevalent throughout so the very premise of the story is about like uh the, the the legend of the red riding hood which is a fairy tale uh considered by a lot of people or like it, it's a traditional story but uh, it has a nice spin on it from the phantom that you know how uh the writer of purpose like influenced like what was the influence the very um, uh, the very twisted influence behind that actual story and what it could have been and uh, I don't want to spoil the story details, but uh, the main highlight is not, not just the story, but the art. Hans Lindahl, as a lot of you might know, is one of my favorite Phantom artists, and he has really, really like outshone himself, probably. Like The way he renders characters and especially with those uh, the heavy ink lines and everything to make the deep contrast, it really, really works fantastic with this uh, issue and yeah so that's about it so it's castle of evil and it's come out on through 104 so i don't think it's been reprinted after that go check it out
1: thank you everyone for their reviews i hope you the listeners have enjoyed going through them if you have dug any of them out and given them a read, whether you agree or don't agree please Give us a uh, Let us know. You can contact us via our email address, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. We're all over social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our um, uh, links to those are on our website, which is chroniclechamber.com. Um, a, huge th- a huge thank you to listening to us. Uh, don't forget you can subscribe to us. Stay safe. Enjoy your holidays or whatever's left of it. Um, and read some back issues. Happy well, Phantoming, everyone.